a reading from Embrace the Journey, Becky Murray's story. One day, a lady approached me in Bumala B. Sister Becky, please, will you pray for my daughter? She's been missing for three months. Within days, another lady approached me. Please pray for my missing child. My daughter has been gone for five months now. As I asked more questions, it became clear what had happened. Here, right on the doorstep of King's School, right in the village of Bumala B and the surrounding villages, sex traffickers were at work. What could we do? The Dignity Project was born. I noticed that girls often missed a week of school each month due to their periods, meaning they lose a vital part of their education. By the end of their schooling, they have missed up to a quarter of their education. It means they don't have the grades to get a good job. And tragically, this is when they are most vulnerable to offers that come along, offers that seem too good to be true because they are. And as a result, we lose them to sex trafficking. Surely it couldn't be too hard to help them. Can't we help them? Can't we reach them before the traffickers do? Over time, we began to develop dignity days. These days were educational, not just relating to the girl's monthly period, but to the real danger of trafficking. With education, girls can be aware in advance of what to look for, who to avoid, and where to report any attempted abductions. Where possible, representatives from the police and local government are also in attendance to support our staff, particularly in reference to sexual abuse warnings. We developed dignity bags, which are given to every girl that goes through the Dignity Project. Girls receive four reusable sanitary products. Developed in Uganda, the pads are washable and can last up to a year. Dignity bags also include two pairs of underwear and information about trafficking. Bags are given out at the end of each Dignity Day, along with food and refreshments for the girls. Are you ready to meet this remarkable woman, Becky Murray? Sometimes the story we tell ourselves is not really true. Sometimes the story others tell about us is not really true. Here on today's Heart Lift with Janelle, we are going to learn how to rewrite our story. So pick up your favorite pen and journal, grab a cup of something delicious, and start your heart-lifting journey towards living a meaningful life. Hello and welcome to today's Heart Lift with Janelle. This is a very special episode, and we're talking to a very special woman, Becky Murray. Her story is written beautifully. It's a memoir called Embrace the Journey, written with Ralph Turner. And she is founder and president of One by One, a multifaceted missions organization with a heart for the poor and broken across the third world. One of her projects really stuck a chord with me, and it's called the Dignity Project. Well, you know, we have a we have a real shared love for Proverbs 31, 25, as Becky does. 
clothed in strength and dignity with nothing to fear. She, as it says in Proverbs 31, but we add, we, you and me, can smile, can laugh at our future. Oh my goodness. After receiving reports of children being trafficked in Kenyan villages, and you know my heart for Kenya, as well as hearing countless stories of sexual abuse, one by one, Becky Murray took action with the Dignity Project. To date, the organization has reached more than 18,000 girls in Kenya, South Africa, Sierra Leone, Brazil, India, and Pakistan with this program. Delivering information and education of the dangers of trafficking and sexual abuse, and Becky will tell us more. And something so simple, something taken so for granted by most of us American women has meant so much to these young girls in the Dignity Project. In many developing nations, uh, girls lose a vital part of their education when they miss a week of school each month due to their periods. And I know my, my older daughter, Candace, experienced this and saw this firsthand with a nonprofit she was working with in India. She was like, mom, this is so crazy. And I'm like, that is so crazy. To resolve that, every girl that goes through the program is given a pink dignity bag that contains three reusable sanitary products developed in Uganda. These pads, as I have said, are washable, can last for up to a year. And the dignity bags also, as I have said earlier, include two pairs of underwear and information about hygiene. Let's talk to Becky. I'm so excited to have you here, Becky. What is on your heart today? I'm, we are just over the moon to be able to have you for these few minutes. Please share what's on your heart today, because I know that in the kind of work that you do that we will talk about in in a few uh, is an ever evolving, I'm sure, window of need, window of what's happening in the world. So just give us a peek into what you are actually uh, facing today. Yeah. So we run a safe house out in Pakistan Um, But one of our safe houses is right on the Afghanistan border. And obviously, we're seeing all the news reports at the moment about what's going off in Afghanistan with the Taliban taking over control. And um, I still can't quite believe I'm even saying those words that a terrorist group gets control an entire nation blows my mind. But anyway, I will not get into the politics. I know. But what I can do is speak. I kind of want you to, but I know. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the politics is maybe above my pay grade. But where I do have expertise is dealing with the refugees and dealing with children that we've actually already for the last couple of years been helping to flee the Afghanistan, uh, the Taliban, sorry. And so um, even this week, our one by one staff on the ground there in the north of Pakistan have been helping three families who have managed to flee the Taliban. They've literally ran with the clothes on their back. And so we're now providing them food and shelter. And this is all over and above our normal one-by-one duties. But when people show up on your doorstep in such a need, Mm -hmm. how could you possibly turn them away? Mm -hmm. Well, you Um, couldn't. You can't, can you? You really can't. And so Mm -hmm. it's, it's out of our normal remit, but we're helping refugees, helping them get the right paperwork and documentation, One of them's eight months pregnant. Oh, goodness. I mean, it's crazy and chaotic, but um, Mm. but yeah, so needing a lot of prayer and help there. Okay. We will definitely put all of the links where we can offer you our help, our generosity. Um, Becky, so we started where you are now, but where, what is one-on-one? I, uh, I've, I brought you here to talk about embrace the journey. This yes. is your beautiful book that was co-authored or held or 
Ralph Turner, is that his name? Yes. That's correct. So he's a phenomenal writer. Yes. I am not. So I want <laughs> somebody else to pen my life because I can share the stories verbally, but I'm sure my English teacher will tell you, <laughs> you I might need help with writing it down. Yes. So, so Ralph kindly um, co-authored it with me um, to write down the story of my life so far <laughs> and just the goodness of God. And mm. what is done in and through one by one, which are which is our missions organization. Yes, go ahead and tell us about that. We're going to be um, in media race, as we say in literature. As a writer, we can start in the middle of things uh, because I really want everyone to know what one by one is. So um, I always had a heart for Jesus and had a heart for the broken. Um, but I was challenged one day, I was out on a short-term missions trip with my local church and I met this one little girl and her mm. uh, name was Felicity and she quite simply had no shoes. So I took her to the marketplace, bought her a little pink pair of flip-flops that cost 70 cents. That would be wow. about the right equivalent. And that evening she approached me and she said, Becky, should I wait in the hotel? And I said, no, we were literally just on our way out to do this big gospel campaign. So I said, come with us. And she said, yes, but shouldn't I wait in the hotel for you? Now, if she'd have turned to my husband or any of the men on the team and said that, I would have known what she was asking. Right. She was a nine-year-old girl. I was in my early 20s at the time. And she was asking if she should wait in my bedroom. And I remember thinking, no, she couldn't be asking what I think. Right. So I asked her a third time, and she thought that I had spent 70 cents on her so that I could have her body. And in my heart, I was so angry, not at the little girl, but at the injustice of a nine-year-old living on the streets had been so abused by men and women that her heart and her mind would go there for the sake of a pair of flip-flops. Right. And I made a promise in my heart, both to myself and to God that day, that I will give my life to this. Even if it's only ever one child, Mm. I'll give my life to this, which is why we called it One One by by One. one. And now thousands of children later, we're seeing a huge impact across the world in Kenya and Pakistan and thousands of girls being reached, but it all comes down to the one. And it reminds me of John 4, you know, when Jesus stops for the woman at the well. I've been talking about that for the last two days. Yeah. Serious? Seriously, I'm so serious. I've got chills on chills. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I see it beautifully there where he stops Mm. for one life, a life that had been written off by many, but he stops for this one life, a woman who she's the wrong gender for Jesus to stop and talk to. She's the wrong people group. She's living the wrong lifestyle for a man like Mm. Jesus, but he cuts through all the red tape of society and just reaches out with love. And in yes. doing so, a whole town comes to know Christ. It's amazing. And that's our same heart, that as we stop for the one, we mm. will encounter the thousands coming to know Jesus too. Mm, but it takes that bravery. And I, I want to read what I wrote down from that story of Felicity. You write, Felicity's face became my non-negotiable moment with God. That is so powerful. He had called me. Standing in front of me was the reason for the call. I knew what I had to do. You are in your early 20s. Yes, I was then. I wish I still was then. Before then. But, <laughs> but Becky, you know, it's like 
Felicity's face became my non-negotiable moment with God. Standing in front of me was the reason for the call. Now I'm going to call back in your early childhood because you've got to read this book. This book is so timely. It's so timely in my life because I, I personally am on the threshold of taking a risk and trying to find bravery and courage to do something at 61 that I had in my heart when I was in my twenties. And sometimes it takes time. Sometimes it takes decades. Uh, God's timing. I wrote down in my notes with you. God's timing is so Kairos. It's so incredibly important to how our story unfolds. And so I just wrote some highlights and I kind of want to just They made me smile so big and they made me um, also appreciate how God's timing in our callings is so critical. Mm. And the beautiful part of your story, Becky, is that you were raised in this very secure home. It was your very first safe space. You write about how you want to create safe spaces for others. And I, that's, that's in my mission statement to create safe spaces for others to heal emotionally. And so I was like, we are so on the same page in different ways. And I love that God has such a manifold purpose for his children. And so your parents created this secure attachment that, that we talk about so much in our stronger everyday community for you to be shaped and formed into to the woman you are today. And uh, there was a little experience when you were four about a little chocolate bar. I just (laughs) love it. I love it so much. I love that it shows. And I always say this to parents. I think the age of four, if you can really pay attention when your child's like four, five, Mm -hmm. four-ish, you can see their future. You can see hints of who they're going to be. And that changes as they go through puberty and adolescence and teenagehood. But mm-hmm. when they're four, it's like you can see their. And so tell us about this chocolate bar that was such a hint and your mom noticed it and you, yeah, go ahead. Enough of me. <laughs> well, I mean, it's so typical of me, my two, other than Jesus and my family and my kids, my two loves in life are chocolate and coffee. Yes. So it's, it's, it's very apt that it would obviously be a chocolate bar in my testimony. I love um, it. But yes, I was eating a chocolate bar as a very small child. And um, suddenly an advert came on the television. And it was about a, um, a famine that was going on. Yeah, I believe it was Ethiopia at the time, but an African nation. And as a tiny little girl, three or four year old, I was so moved by what I'd seen. Mm-hmm that halfway through my chocolate bar, I put it down and I said, no, mummy, send that out to the children in Africa. They can have it. And bless my mom. She had to explain why they wouldn't want my half-eaten chocolate bar. But she says from a very young, tiny age, I would often declare, I'm going to be a missionary in Africa. And we didn't, we didn't have any other missionaries in our family line. Like there wasn't some narrative that would lead to this and it was just out of nowhere as this three four-year-old declaring quite boldly this is what I'm going to do right but I always describe it as you know when the bible tells us quite clearly that, that we are formed in our mother's mother's womb oh yes please share this is in your book and it took my breath away please share well, that it's beautiful I think so often we think of that as in terms of the flesh and the bones mm-hmm. but we're not just a physical body 
And I genuinely believe when God is shaping and molding and putting us together right there in our mother's wombs, I believe it's like the fingerprints of God being placed upon us. And it's his plans and it's his purposes that are invested into us as he is shaping and farming us. And so I believe we're literally born with his imprint upon our lives. Yes. And so I don't think it was some three or four year old that had this great idea to be a missionary. I believe that was God right there in the purity and the innocence of a very naive little girl eating a yeah. chocolate bar. Yeah. That there was this heart of God overflowing right there in that moment. Yeah, I would say the spirit was wooing you. You know, the, the definition of calling and its root is it just means an invitation to participate with God, to participate in salvation with God. And so he, he has wooed you through and through other significant moments. I have, I have 55,000 written down here. (laughs) I say you beautifully described the God whispers along your life's journey, Becky, that hinted to your calling, uh, a trip to Sicily, Romania. I could go on and on. Could you share maybe one or two that maybe, I mean, you've already shared with us about um, your beautiful Felicity, right? That was her name. That sounds wrong to me. That's right. Okay. Thank you. And her pink little flip-flops. I I can see that face. Okay. But there were other times I think in your life where there were hints and there were, where's a wooing. Yeah. Now, if you would just share maybe one or two that were particularly important to you, whether they were healing words that were spoken into your life, prophetic utterances, movements of the spirit, whatever. I think there's landmark moments in our lives where God just comes in the most, sometimes it's powerful and mind blowing. And then other times it's the most gentle, subtle whisper and both are equally as powerful and strong in our lives. And so I've had several of those encounter moments. So Brownsville was one for me where I I visited a church out in Pensacola, Florida, and that had a huge impact on me. But then another one was um, I spent three months out in Mozambique. Yes, that's what I was hoping you would share on. (laughs) Yeah, God spoke to my heart so strongly out there. Mm -hmm. I began to, to hear him not audibly, but Mm. hear him in my inner man in a way that I'd never heard him speak to me before. And it was genuinely like he was wooing my heart. Mm. And in those moments of being wooed, it was like the nose were being stripped away. I think Ah. sometimes we've got all these incredible promises or dreams from God about what we're going to do. But then life happens and we've got every reason and every excuse as to why we cannot and should not and couldn't possibly. So for me, I had this promise of a children's home, but I'm out there thinking, well, my family, a a very um, humble family. My father was a postman. My mother was a cleaner. I come from a very humble family where we did not have a lot of money. Right. Um, We didn't have a place of influence. Like, mm. I, I remember thinking, God, there's got to be somewhere out there, someone out there who is far better equipped to do what I feel you're asking me to do. Oh, wow. But as he begins to woo my heart, all my excuses as to why I'm not good enough, somebody else should be able to do it far better than me. All my excuses, all my insecurities, all my incapabilities just fall away and fall short. And the yeses to God are hard sometimes. Saying yes to him 
will take everything, demand mm-hmm. every part of you. Oh, yeah. However, not saying yes to him will cost us far more in the light of eternity. Mm-hmm. And so at the other side of our yes is where he steps in. He's mm-hmm. the one who brings the miracles, whether that's provision, <laughs> whether that's protection, whether that's transformation. He's the one that does that. All he wants is for us to say, okay, yes, Lord. Just like Isaiah, here I am. Here I am. Me. Mm. Can you give us some, put some skin on maybe one or two of those uh, wooings that you said you heard him in, an, in a different way, you know, yeah. in an inner working sense. So what would that look like? So I, I just can, I know that those who are listening are going, what does she mean? Help me understand. Because so many of us want to hear from God. You know, we want the loud lightning and thunder and the burning bushes. But I think we're in a new day. Speaking of John four, my time in this wilderness of COVID at least has been to what he said to the Samaritan woman, there's going to come a day woman when those who worship me aren't going to need temples, they aren't going to need, they're, they're going to be worshiping me in spirit and truth. And I sense, I sense that's where we are. And that's why that spoke to me so deeply. And I wonder if you could give us a little bit more about that a little bit more flesh to it that, okay, we can, we can make this applicable right where we are today. Well, I share in the in the book, Embrace the Journey, I share one moment where God, he spoke to me in a way that I wasn't familiar with. So I'm aware that God speaks to you in terms of he's going to tell you what he wants you to do with your life. Like he's going to speak and direct <laughs> you. And whether that's through, you know, a Bible verse bringing to life or through the Holy Spirit, just, you know, speaking to us. But I, there was this one particular morning where, I woke up very early, which is again, unlike me, I'm a girl who needs coffee to help me function in the morning. Um, Good to know. Good to know. Yes. <laughs> he woke me up very early in the morning. And um, I felt as I woke up, I felt him whisper to me, get up, I've got a gift for you. And so um, I've oh. never known God speak to my heart like this before. And so it was very personal and very intimate to me and so I ran I'd, I'd got this little what might became my secret place quite literally because yes, I was I living on a this. site with thousands of other students and people and so I found this little bamboo shack it was around the back it. of a parking lot and I that became my secret place with God and um, so I rushed, rushed to my prayer house and, <laughs> um, and I'm waiting for this gift now if I'm honest what I thought was going to happen was that I was going to have this vision of him. Like one of my heart's desire is to, to have a vision of Jesus, to Mm. look in those eyes of fire. And I know that that will happen when I pass into eternity, but I'm longing for that moment. I don't want it now. (laughs) Yeah. I'm longing for that. And so I rushed to my prayer house thinking that the gift was going to be this incredible vision. And I'm sat in the prayer house and I wait and I wait and I wait and nothing happens. And so I begin to walk around the prayer house and I'm worshiping and just praying and nothing happens. And then I sit down and I begin to just journal. And um, I wrote in my journal, okay, as I wait for your gift, 
I want to give you a gift yeah. that today I come into covenant with you mm. that the day I re- received salvation was the day he gave me his life. But this particular day, I want to gift God by coming into covenant by saying, okay, all that I am is yours. I'm not mm. just going to give you my Sundays. I want my entire life to be yours. Mm. And I wrote it all down and there was this little frog on top of the bamboo. <laughs> And I wrote in my journal, with the frog as my witness, today I come into covenant relationship with you. Well, that day I was in Mozambique at a mission school. And so that day I go to the school and all of a sudden the lecturer starts talking and he says, before I give today's lecture, I just need to say this. God's got a gift for some of you. So immediately my, my antennas oh, are chills. up. I'm like, okay, this is the gift. This is what I've been waiting on. And he said, God is going to invite some of you into covenant relationship with him. Well, my mouth was like on the floor by this point because I'm like, oh my goodness, I've just written all of this in my journal. And he went on to say, in a covenant, it's like a marriage. One side cannot decide on their own to go into covenant relationship. It has to be both parties coming into covenant relationship with each other. Mm. And he said, God is going to invite some of you in this place into covenant relationship with him. Mm. I just was blown away because from that point on, I think once you fall madly in love with Jesus, like I said, every excuse as to why we could not and should not possibly do what it is we feel in our hearts to do, Mm -hmm. all the fears, all the anxiety, all the all the stuff that we build up against why we can't do this, God. Mm-hmm. As we fall in love with him and cast our minds upon him and not the mountains in front of us, mm-hmm. all the nerves begin to slip away and it's replaced by this with this yes cry after him. Wow. Just don't know. I'm so speechless. I just want to I want to have prayer time. I want to go to the bamboo hut. I just love that you found that he gave you that bamboo hut is just so powerful to me. And there you are. Was this pre-marriage after marriage? Were you single? You were, it was before. Okay. Pre-marriage. I was single still at the time. Okay. And, um, so would you say then, because when I read your story, which I want everyone to read, because it will embolden your faith, would you say then that your secret to being able, I mean, listen, Becky, you're you're doing some fierce work fighting sex trafficking, fighting human trafficking, fighting Taliban, fighting, you know, helping others be freed from demons that are firing after them. How do you, or is it the secret to the fear? Like, how do you how do you face that kind of fear? Well, you know, the Bible tells us that perfect love casts out all fear. And I think sometimes when we think of love, we presume that the the opposite of love is hate. But actually, if we take the Bible, the opposite of love is fear. And Mm. so fear is phenomenal at stopping us from stepping out. And we can, right. we've all got different fears that we face. So whether it's mm-hmm. 
dealing with we've had to negotiate freedom in brick mass with brick masters out in Pakistan or whether it's helping girls around we've all reached almost 20,000 girls now at risk of human trafficking with the dignity project and sometimes I find myself in situations where I'm going to be honest I'm you know it's fearful like yeah I would bet (laughs) I I am fearing it for you feeling it for you yeah, it's, it's definitely had its challenges and it's not always easy, but perfect love casts mm. out all fear. Now, that doesn't mean we were never afraid of anything. Of course, you have a nervous system, right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, however, while ever we're walking in the plans and the promises of God, while ever we're walking in obedience to him, yeah, we know that he is the one guiding and directing and holding our paths. Mm-hmm. And with that comes a reassurance and a peace that can carry through even dark nights and times where fear tries to kick in. Yeah. Well, I would love uh, to close out. I, it's so hard to let you go, but I have to honor your time and your presence and thank you so much, but help us um, help you. So I explained already the Dignity Project prior to talking to you because it's such a brilliant project and it's all about those pink sandals becoming pink bags. I love that, the flip-flop. So how can we support you and the Dignity Project? So uh, people can go to the website, onebyone.net, and there's lots of information on there of the different things we do around the world. So we've got everything from safe houses out in Pakistan for kids that we've rescued out of slavery to homes in Kenya. Um, We've got lots of things going on, as well as obviously, like you shared, the Dignity Project. So people can look at the website to get more information so that they know specifically how they can pray for us. Uh, People can also financially support if they want to do that. So it costs us about $10 per girl to help us go through the Dignity Project. And it costs about $30 to sponsor a child in one of our safe houses. Mm. Um, So all the information of that is there on the website, but we would love to have an army of people praying for us, joining us in support. And then also once all the COVID restrictions lift, we often take teams around the world with us, whether that's Kenya or different places with the Dignity Project. So we encourage people come with us on the journey. Okay, Becky. And let's see what God will do. Because even for me, it was a short-term missions trip where my life was changed. And I think there's something about stepping out of our normal lives, Mm -hmm. out of our comfort zones, where we almost open ourselves up for God to speak to our lives. So people can get involved in a whole variety of ways. And it's all there on the website. Just called my name. So I'm excited. Let's get this COVID (laughs) out of here. Let's get it out of here so we can advance the kingdom. But in the meantime, we will support, support, support. And how can we best love on you and support you and pray for you as we close? And um, particularly right now for what we're doing in Afghanistan. So with that, I mean, our staff on the ground have had everything from death threats to beatings to all kinds of things. So definitely praying both for the safety of my staff and my kids out in Pakistan and right there on the border of Afghanistan. And then for us in particular, wisdom. Um, there's that many needs, knowing the who's and the hows. Um, so praying for wisdom and direction of the Holy Spirit to keep advancing, particularly in the Middle East right now, as it's so, so turbulent. Okay. You've got it. We promise to do that for you, Becky. Thank you so much for being here and for being such 
a light to us and a light to so many who are living in the darkness. May your light just shine brighter and brighter and brighter as uh, it does for the righteous. So bless you. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you. Honored to be with you. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening today. It was great having you here. For even more great content and resources, please join the Stronger Everyday online community at JanelleRairdon.com. Always remember, you, my friend, have value, worth, and dignity.